Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAIF Ball Podcast, powered by AdCraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. Our friends at AdCraft have been with us for many years now. They've run web stores for us multiple times. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping the product, and helping your customers so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com. All right, NAI football fans, we are back. We are staying in the state of Kentucky this time, going from the Blue Raiders of Lindsey Wilson to the Tigers of Georgetown. We have Chris Oliver here on the show. Coach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you, Corey? Doing well. You know, I, it's interesting looking at Georgetown, and, and you're going to hear me talk about Georgetown and its history a, a lot tonight. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk about replacing legends. You know, they say it's, it's really hard to replace a legend. Uh, you know, the guy after Bear Bryant in Alabama, that's a, that, that's a tough gig. Guy after, uh, heck, the guy after Nick Saban leaves, that's going to be a tough gig. Um, yeah. The guy after Bobby Bowden, the guy after Joe Paterno, those are going to be tough gigs. Well, you're replacing, of the last three head coaches at Georgetown, two have been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Talk about replacing the legends and, and how uh, you're going to be able to do it. Well, it's big shoes to fill for sure. And- I mean, Coach Cronin just did such an awesome job here for, for 25 years. And I mean, he's he's was in the Hall of Fame before he retired. You know, if you're if you're of that level where they're inducting you into Hall of Fames and you're still coaching, um, you, you've done some special, special stuff. And, you know, there's just been such a great program here for years going back all the way to Coach Donnelly, you know, the other guy who you, you referenced there that, that's in the Hall of Fame and then. You know, Coach Cronin really getting this thing going over the last 25 years and, and adding two more national championships during that time. So there's big shoes to fill. Uh, it's been an interesting, interesting ride for me in, in my career. You know, 12 seasons as a head coach prior to this and you know, 13 calendar years. And Coach Cronin was a guy that I got to know really well. And, and you know, I was 27 when I was hired as a head coach. Um, hard to believe, hard, hard to fathom. And Coach Cronin was a guy that, you know, was a great example of just how to conduct yourself uh, as a head coach and just being professional. And, you know, we, we played against him a couple of times. And he he promptly kicked our teeth in and uh, right away because at that point, Georgetown was like ranked number one in the nation. And uh, now you got to go back and replace that. It's interesting. My wife, Wendy, has gotten to know uh, Coach Cronin's wife, Ellen, over the years just through the National Coaches Convention and, and you know, playing in games and now. Here we are. Coach Cronin lives in Georgetown, here in town. Uh, he's come out to a couple spring practices and and showed his face around. And it's a unique uh, situation for us. Uh, I think it, it does help that, you know, we had some success previously against, uh, you know, that, that staff that was here. And I think that helps in some ways. But you're still replacing a Hall of Famer and a legend and there's big shoes to fill. So... At your previous stop, 
you know, you built the team from, from scratch. There was mm-hmm. no program before you were there. And now you're going to a team that has been around since the late 1800s. Yeah. What is, what is that like going from making your history every day to seeing the history for the last 100-plus years? Well, you know, in this profession, there's so many coaches that move around often, especially at the college level. That has not been my career. So, you know, I've had two opportunities to start being a head coach at at a new institution, this being the the second of those. So very, very different experiences from that standpoint. Uh, And then, you know, starting over Christmas break. So you have all these players, you know, when I became a head coach, 13 years ago for the first time, we didn't have any players. We didn't have any assistant coaches. We didn't have a stadium. Um, I was the only coach on staff for about four months. Uh, And now we hit the ground running here and our guys were on Christmas break and they know a little bit about me, uh, you know, just familiarity wise, but you know, I don't really know them. So there was that that disconnect of wanting to get with the team as quickly as possible, introduce myself and the program and, and what we want to be about and explain to them some of the things in place that we wanted to, for that transition. You know, taking over a program that, you know, is, I think, tied for second all time in NAI playoff appearances. Uh, it's not a broken program. We're taking over for a guy that won 200 plus games, but there's going to be changes and there's going to be uh changes to the culture and, and what we want to do. And you want to get you know with your players as quickly as possible. And then you're trying to prioritize hiring your coaching staff and you're dropped right in the thick of a recruiting season. Uh, so it was very, very different than the first time I became a head coach. That was kind of like, all right, show up in the office and what do I do next? This is this was was nonstop uh, all the way through really early February. And then it slowed down a little bit, but Man, it's been a heck of a busy semester. You you did mention your culture a little bit and, and putting your culture in place. How do you get your culture fit into and synthesized with a team that has the historical success like Georgetown? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, I think history and culture can go hand in hand. And, and certainly if you have a a strong history and a history that you're proud of, you you hope that that is woven through the culture of, of your players. But, uh, you know, it, it's completely possible to be in a place where you have a great history, but you have a current culture that isn't where you want it to be. You see that in, in certain programs. If you go back to, let's go back to Alabama before Coach Saban took, took over. Outstanding history, right? One of the most storied programs ever. Uh, but before Coach Saban took over, there was probably a culture that wasn't where they wanted it to be. Now, I'm not saying in any way that our culture was broken here a year ago or under the prior staff. Uh, but you want to tell your guys and, and get them to, to believe that, hey, we are going to respect the history and tradition of Tiger football in the past. Coach Cronin did an awesome job. His staff did an awesome job. And we have the utmost respect for that. But here are some of the twists and things that we want to put on it and put it on our way and our spin. And here's how we're going to define those culture aspects that we feel are important. And really, our guys have just had a great attitude this semester. 
you know, you could you could feel it early on that uh, almost an awkward standpoint of a hundred guys who all of a sudden have a new head coach, and it doesn't matter really who it is. They didn't pick that new head coach, and here's this other person and this new coaching staff coming in. And I, I just can't give enough credit to our young men in our program because they've had an awesome attitude. We've changed some things. We, we've made some tweaks here and there. I think we've pushed them in ways that have been new, uh, and they've just they've just really handled it and you know wanted to go day by day with us. And I think we've got a long way to go on our process, but it's been it's been a fun few months to see these guys really get to know us and invest in our coaches and vice versa. You talk about the players that you're having and getting uh, and, and just getting them won over to you and buying into what you've, what you've got. Um, looking mm-hmm. at the roster that uh, you've got returning, um, you know, you lose a couple of really nice skill pieces in Darius Barber and Jake Johnson uh, and yeah. Aaron Maggard for that, for that matter. Um, at your wideout position, as, as well as a chaos-inducing defensive lineman in Marcus Omasule. Um, talk to me about replacing a roster. Would, would you rather have less and be able to recruit your own from the start, or would you rather have um, a less senior roster and have a little bit more... Um, a little more runway to, to work with. Yeah. Well, we'll say Aaron Maggard is back. Aaron Maggard uh, is back. Senior, good. He's senior in the classroom, but he's, he's back. Uh, you know, I, I think that you would always like to have as much experience as possible. So I think as a coach, you're never going to turn that down. Uh, if you had all 22 starters back, I mean, you're, you're not going to turn that down, right? You're going to take that any day. Uh, but there's ebbs and flows to, to programs and, and, I mean, I remember people years ago asking me, gosh, how are you, how are you guys going to replace Brandon Cressick at quarterback? You know, it was a conference player of the year. And then a few years later, how are you going to replace Dylan Beasley, who is a conference player of the year? And now it's, you know, Cameron Dukes at that program, right? Uh, and that's every program. That's every program in America. You get to know those guys who are the household names. And you think as a fan and a coach, oh, my gosh, how are we going to replace that guy? But that's just part of the ebbs and flows of college football, and I think that's really neat. So we would always rather have as much experience and talent as as back as possible. And I do think we have a decent bit in in some really important spots, but there's going to be some new faces out there for us. I mean, don't get me wrong. We would love to have Darius Barber and Jake Johnson back for another year. Those guys seem like they were around forever and great football players. Uh, but there's going to be new faces out there that are in those positions and making plays. And, you know, that's just part of the ebbs and flows of a college football roster year in, and year out, you know, with or without the coaching change. One thing I've noticed about Georgetown football over the last few years um, has been trying to find the right guy to be your signal caller. It's It's yeah. been you know, a guy here, a guy there, never anyone that's been a, a real multi-year starter in the last five years, so it seemed. Talk about finding that guy to lead your program and lead your offense. Yeah, that's an interesting and very important piece of the puzzle. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, we had a, a senior quarterback a year ago, Brandon Burgess, that did a nice job. And, you know, he's graduated and, and, and you know, moving on out of the program. 
So it's sort of a wide open race, you know, going into the spring and, uh, you know, a really young quarterback room uh, within that group. You got a few guys that have really blossomed this spring, uh, you know, Caleb Jacob and Drew Harts and, you know, Jake Amberby and, and just guys, it's been fun to watch them grow. As we're recording this, this is the night before our spring scrimmage. So we've had 14 practices. And the growth from practice one to 14 uh, with those guys, and really I could go up and down our roster positionally, but to watch that at the quarterback spot, uh, it's been fun. Uh, And those guys have worked hard and invested in that. And, you know, we're switching offenses, uh, you know, a a decent bit. It's not like we're going from triple option to pro or spread, but we're going from old school run and shoot to – you know, a pro style spread system, and it's very different. You know, this uh, this was an offense that was was for years signaling or running the the play to the quarterback, and then the quarterback would give it in the huddle. It was one of the few teams around that was still really doing that. Uh, that wasn't really an option type of team, and now all of a sudden we're signaling plays, you know, to our guys, and, and just to to see us change and adapt and see those quarterbacks grow has been, has been fun, but you know, that's going to be a big battle for us going into fall camp. I think we signed a couple of good freshmen as well that are going to come in and, and make that room interesting. And that's going to be a big piece of, of how we progress and take steps forward as an offense. How much different has that been for you in your recruiting? Um, where you were was a little bit more um, of a rural setting. Um, yeah. Now you are a suburb of Lexington. You've got a Toyota plant right in your backyard. You've got industry, and you're right down the road from Cincinnati, for that matter. Talk about the differences in the the recruiting setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a pretty significant difference from that standpoint. Everywhere you go, there's positives and negatives, and you know, it's not a grass is always greener type of situation. Every institution could go through and say, we have this feather in our cap or we have this. Um, and I think for this past recruiting class that we put together, I, I was really excited about just the work that our assistant coaches did because we were we were behind the eight ball. Uh, I mean, we, we started late. Uh, other offers were made. Uh, and we were getting guys to campus late in the process. I think we closed really strong. Uh, But I also am really excited about what our recruiting classes are going to look like when we have a full year and a full staff and an opportunity to to do that. Because in Georgetown, when you look at the NAI landscape and in the landscape, not just in Kentucky, but across the country, there's a select few number of programs that are in a population base that is different than most of the others. And when you look at, uh, you know, the Marians and, and St. Francis and, and even, you know, Morningside, that little pocket of population there, Georgetown is a great town. And when you come to our campus and you come to our town and you see this town of 37,000 people that's booming and you're 15 minutes from a half a million people in Lexington, it's a pretty neat thing. Um, so I, I think we're, you know, it's an exciting thing. And I think uh, it's, it's something that's going to be big for us as we move forward recruiting. So looking at the bluegrass as a whole, um, 
one is is Faulkner ever going to like find a division they like to stay in, or are they just going to keep moving around until the end of time? Um, and two, I, I think looking at it, the phrase I, I think fits the bluegrass this year is the more things change, the more things stay the same. Because you've got a lot of change here. Let's be honest. You've had a lot of coaching turnover that has not traditionally been around. As we look at the bluegrass, you've got a lot of the same faces, but yeah. in different places, whether it be Phil Kleckler taking over at Lindsey Wilson, stepping up from the defensive coordinator position, whether you look at you going from Lindsey to Georgetown, or you look at Shan Housekeeper moving from Georgetown to Cumberland's. Talk yeah. about the change in the familiarity of the bluegrass and how that's going to make things a little different. What a, what a weird mix of, of circumstances for sure. And, you know, and let me go back a couple of things. First of all, Faulkner, um, we're, we're excited that Faulkner is, is with us in the Mid-South. And, and, you know, I think they had some opportunities to, to do some different things, uh, you know, division-wise. We're excited about that. And I guess this would be a good time because, you know, there's, there's not always press releases about, divisions and those types of things and how that, uh, you know, works out from year to year. But, you know, as someone who's a Raider and, and is kind of our, our, you know, football sport chairman for the Mid-South now, I think everybody knows that the Sun division is is now the Sun Conference and, and they're breaking off. But also the Appalachian is, is really no longer the Appalachian division. It's really the Appalachian athletic conference and then the mid-south there's no more bluegrass it, it's it's the back to mid-south football so uh the mid-south which is the eight previous bluegrass teams plus faulkner uh you know we we have a scheduling alliance with the appalachian uh schools so there's still a lot of crossover within that but it's going to be a different structure moving into this year so you know uh, as we move forward, I think it's technically the Sun Conference, the Appalachian Conference, and then the Mid-South Conference. But when we look at the nine of us in, in the schools that are you know mixing all that up, I think the Mid-South, what, what was the Bluegrass, and now you add in Faulkner, um, man, I think we have developed into one of the deepest conferences in the nation. And I remember not long ago, uh, Watching and you know we played against Marion in 2019, and watching the MSFA Mid East and looking at the depth of that division and looking at not just Marion but St. Francis and Concordia and you can see Indiana Wesleyan getting better and you know then you look at the crossover games and you do that and you're like man that's that's a deep conference. The Mid South hasn't often been like that over over recent times but I think when you look at where we're at now the past two or three years yeah there's always going to be someone that falls at the bottom and maybe there's someone that you know isn't as competitive as the rest but I think when you look at when you look at Georgetown and Cumberlands and, and Lindsey Wilson and uh, and now you add in Faulkner I mean Faulkner's a, a good football team and let me tell you there's some teams that uh, probably have been around 500 that are not fun to play against. Thomas Moore, you know, continues to get better. Cumberland U is never a an easy one. Uh, Coach Jasper at Bethel, those guys are loaded every year. I mean, 
it you know Pikeville. Pike, I'm just telling you, like this is a this is a conference that um, it every week is is kind of scary, and uh, you know it's it's a deep conference. It's a it's a fun conference to to be in. Definitely is, and it's it's it yeah. No, I knew about the sun. Um, last week I learned about the the Appalachian splitting off. I didn't know that one until uh, in the middle of that. I went, oh, I just learned something. Yeah. So the the question I've been kind of putting to everybody to end out the podcast, to round out the podcast, has been a, a question of support and and how your particular um, institution grows that support. So you know it's it's hard in in different places. Different places have their different heart. Um, whether it's it's uh, Marion trying to find purchase in in a uh, in a metro in a giant metro area or whether it's um, Dickinson State trying to do the same thing in an absolutely zero metro area um, or a, a new program trying to find their support you know I think maybe Georgetown's kind of in that the middle of that Venn diagram a little bit how have you seen and how do you plan on having Georgetown connect with alumni, uh, both athletic alumni and just non-athletic alumni, general uh, alumni fan base, and the greater fan base itself, to create mm-hmm. ongoing support on game day and uh, off the field monetarily. Yeah, that, that's been a, a change for me because I'm you know coming from a place where we didn't have any football alums prior to around 2014. And, and then we grew that slowly and starting to just get to the point where you could really, you know, do more with those guys because the group was getting large enough. And now all of a sudden I'm moving to a program with uh, tons of football alumni and tons of history and tradition. You have a group of guys that won a national championship in 1991 uh, under Kevin Donnelly. And, you know, did that on our old stadium on, on our campus that they used to call the rock. And, and you know, it was just a, a lot of history and tradition there. And then all of a sudden you fast forward and Coach Cronin takes over in, in 1997. And boom, 2000, 2001, you know, two more national championships that were sandwiched by two semifinal runs uh, on the other ends of that. So you have just a wide array. And, and on top of that, two more decades of really good football since then you have a wide array of alums who have a vested interest in our program and who are really excited about Tiger football and who have been a part of not just a football program, but a winning and championship level football program. So that's been fun to get to know some of those guys and to be able to have coach Cronin bridge some of those gaps, you know, on our behalf and help us with those types of relationships and, you know, getting to know those guys and, you know, we've got a big golf outing this summer uh, that is always well attended. You know, we've got a beautiful golf course right around the corner here off our campus. And, you know, we've got alums that come back every year to that. Uh, you know, just you come to homecoming here uh, and you look at the alums that come back and the alumni tent and just those guys enjoying Tiger football. Uh, there's a, a large group uh, that you know, provide support for our program. And, and that's an exciting part of, of being a part of, you know, Georgetown Tiger football to have that, that pride and history of the alums. Uh, and then you look at non-football, um, you know, we got a great alumni network 
we, we have right now a, a four-year streak of the highest job placement rate of any college or university in Kentucky. Uh, that's public or private. And some of that is due to our strong alumni network. You know, when you get a degree from Georgetown College, uh, you're, you're going to have opportunities and connections uh, that are unique in this landscape. And, you know, that's a pretty neat thing. You don't just have to be a Tiger football player, uh, but, you know, you're a Tiger alum. There's a lot of pride with that. So those are some things that are that are exciting here and feathers in our cap and you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity for us, and we're probably a little bit spoiled from that alumni opportunity compared with, you know, other places. Well, Coach, thanks for coming on the, the show tonight. Looking forward to watching some Mid-South Conference football come the fall. And I Look, it's late April when we're recording the show. It's, it's, getting, it's getting a little toasty down here in Florida at this point. It's, uh, you know, got to get through the summer. We'll get some football yeah. here in a minute. We'll be there before you know it. We'll be there before you know it. And I, I appreciate you guys for all you do. And I just was reminiscing uh, earlier today about just some of our recent interviews. Uh, I remember having an interview with you not long after losing to Marion in the 2019 semifinals and just still being kind of distraught about that. And then we had COVID interviews. And then I remember being on the bus after winning a national championship and you know, doing that with you and then doing it a few days later, I was sitting on my front porch, uh, you know, talking about that. And here we are. So I appreciate the consistency of you guys and what you do for NAI football. And, you know, you're great for our brand. NAI football is is a great thing. Uh, and it's only getting better because of, of the efforts of, of you guys. So we appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast presented by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Mommy Bay Turf and Turf Nation, as well as Leading Edge Fundraising for their support of the podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast as well as to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash n-a-i-a-f-b-a-l-l and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.